All right. <laughs> Welcome. To, I just always do this when I have Mark Schofield on because it <laughs> makes him laugh. And, it, and I like seeing him laugh. And it's always a, a joy for Mark to come back and join me. And that's what we're doing in this RSP cast. But we're a couple of guys who like to scout football. But we're also a couple of guys who watch Game of Thrones a shit ton of times. Yeah. And um, we thought it would be fun to just first scout all the Game of Thrones characters that we actually saw fight on the television show and and kind of categorize them in ways that we would scout players in, in the NFL, then seed them in the next episode for attorney and then put out our way of doing attorney um, from that standpoint. So if you like Game of Thrones, um, I think you're going to enjoy this show. Um, if you don't like it. If you don't, well, there's... We'll see podcasts. in January. Yeah there's, yeah, there's Mark's content. There's my content elsewhere. We'll yeah. see, you know, it'll be all fine. But I, I would encourage you to that if you... That if you even don't watch Game of Thrones, but you enjoy, like, conversations about fighting and how it may relate to scouting football, there's some interesting things here because things about ideas of rhythm and skill will things that actually matter when you're evaluating talent are going to matter in terms of how we're doing with this dan campbell-esque in the middle of like the football grind having a game of tug of war in the middle of practice well we're going to do that with our game of thrones talent evaluation episode and we've picked now how we've done this mark is we've picked 18 of the characters and we had to eliminate characters who we knew were great fighters um because we didn't actually see them fight you know so guys like robert baratheon aren't on there even though he was known as a great warrior or the or you know Aegon Targaryen, we didn't get to see Aemon Targaryen, we didn't see him we didn't get to see Randall Tarly who was apparently the yep. only guy who beat Robert Baratheon on the battlefield um, you know, so folks like that aren't included and in it. We even sort of cheated one because I, I we had to have Sir Arthur Dane in here and we only really saw like an allusion to him fighting we didn't yeah. even him fight but we just felt like you had to have him in here um because we did see that sort of tower the you know tower of joy throwback so we included him if people think that we wait 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 you're telling me that what brand saw wasn't real well i mean yeah okay 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 there we go all right i mean uh, yeah but no i hear you and it's and so that's the case so our 18 include the mountain the hound john snow jamie lannister Granatarth, Arya, Oberyn, Dario, Jorah, Grey Worm, Ned Stark, Sir Barrister, Baristan, excuse me, Sir Baristan, Cal Drogo, Braun, Tormund, Arthur Dane, Sergio Foyle, and the Waif. Um, now, we could have talked about, maybe we could have, you know, with the Waif, or we could have maybe had Gendry in the conversation but we only saw really Gendry beat up some zombies and a and a couple of like guards from the you know from the um what, what's that town again that's actually in Georgia near Tbilisi that where see, oh, King's Landing King's Landing yeah, yeah off yeah, the coast yeah. of King yeah he right. beat a couple of Laurel and Hardys off of King's Landing so yeah. it was like really we we didn't really get to really see him fight even though what he did was kind of cool looking so. 
we're going to categorize these guys. We've got, you know, we're going to have, we're going to go these with different categories. And what I haven't told Mark is that I did reach out to a third person about doing this. And I just said, I asked him, I said, do you watch Game of Thrones? And this editor at PFF, former Dallas Morning News writer, who happens to be an international Brazilian Brazilian (laughs) jiu-jitsu competitor and teacher, John Owning. um, Wow. He he was like, oh, yeah. So I said, yeah, I'm doing this thing with Mark. And I gave like the overview. I just copied what I wrote Mark. And within 20 minutes, he gave me an answer to every question one so i know oh, he's heavy duty into it so i'm fascinated I, now yeah i haven't looked at these i haven't looked at them yet but i've written them i've like copied and pasted them hurriedly into a sheet and i we're gonna give ours and then we're gonna give john's on a on, in addition to that just to okay. see what someone who actually fights even right, maybe yeah. not to the death but not a chucklehead like me yeah, yeah not, or me you know so then we can go from there <laughs> two chuckleheads and an expert there we go yeah. that's what we should call this podcast so let's start with the most powerful because i have a feeling this is going to be the most obvious one but it'll be interesting who are your three most powerful on your on this list of 18 yeah and i mean i i do think at least the top two are probably going to be the same for most people third might be a little interested third for me is Khal drogo yeah. Um, you know, we saw him fight a handful of times. He was never defeated in battle, never defeated in single combat. Like he died because of a wound in a one-on-one, but he won that. So again, never defeated in battle. Robert Baratheon quote from him, only a fool would meet the Dothraki in an open field. And then he had that line with Ned, you know, if we got, you know, Daenerys with 40,000 Dothraki screamers at her back. Like the Dothraki were legendary for what, know how they were in combat and Khal Drogo never defeated so he's three number two for me is the hound you know he went no he went toe-to-toe with my number one on multiple occasions and so that certainly counts for something and number one for me the mountain I mean I I just I think that's the easy one right yeah like somebody that was described as close to eight feet in height with massive shoulders and arms thick as the trunk of small trees listed at over 30 strong 400 pounds with nearly all of it muscle uh, Jamie Lannister described him as like nothing human when discussing who could beat him in one-on-one combat. His armor was so heavy that no ordinary man would be able to move, let alone fight effectively while wearing it. He had the strength to wield a six-foot, two-handed greatsword with just one hand. He was able to hack people in half with that thing. And oh, by the way, when Oberman has him on the brink of death, he crushed the dude's skull like a grape. So yeah, that's one. Yeah, yeah. I... Uh, we have the same three, but I am in slightly different order. I've got um, I've got the Hound third, mainly because as Brienne, Brienne and him had basically a street fight. We're going to talk she, about that later. Yeah, and she overpowered him to an extent or was stood toe-to-toe with him, which almost I had her high on the list, but just quite missing the cut. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I looked at Cal Drogo and I thought, okay, Cal Drogo's Hound's a little bit more of like the he's like the he's like the Philip War Philip Rivers type specimen at quarterback, whereas yeah. like you know Cal Drogo's a little bit more the 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 Brady Quinn kind of kind of looking dude. Yeah, um, you know, but that you can see that Drogo like to me, I just got the impression that I, I looked at Drogo and I thought he would he would probably give Brianna go in terms of power and would have the edge there. And if she was that close with the hound, 
I'm going with Cal Drogo as number two. Yeah. So, and then of course, yeah, the mountains, no contest. Like how do you, you know, when you're, when you're ripping faces off, um, you, you know, like they're, like they're bottles off of a, you know, they're can, they're, they're little tops off of a bottle. Yeah. That's yeah. You, you can't really go any further there. John owning has it the same way. He has the hound third. He has Drogo second and the mountain first. So, yeah. So, so I mean, I think of all the categories, that's kind of why we opened with this one. Yeah. I think it's the easiest to pick. Yeah. I mean, even with the next category and beyond, like it's going to get tougher. Yeah. So let's do that. Who are the three most agile in your eyes? Serial Foyal. Okay. The, you know, Bravosi Swordsman, you know, the first sword of Bravos, obviously taught that Bravosi water dancing style, trained in the style of a cat. Um, you know, how he became the first sort of Bravos is a fascinating story. The, the original first sort died. He went in to see the master and he had the master had a cat in his lap and he asked him about, you know, why, why do you study the cat? And he talked about how, you know, he's seen great warriors, but a cat is common, but brilliant. And it was a nice little backstory there. Number two is Aria. And I think for the same reason I have Foyel third, she was trained in that style. You see the dexterity that scene. That incredible bit of foreshadowed where she's traded with Brienne and she drops the knife into her, the blade into her hand that sets up obviously how she kills the Night King. And again, the scene leading up to her killing the Night King, just a tremendous bit of dexterity. Number one for me, Oberyn Martell. The fight with the Hound up until the minute he got his brain squished was perhaps the most brilliant bit of balance and dexterity we saw on the entire show. I rewatched it in the last hour probably six or seven times and there's that scene where the mountain is starting to get frustrated because he can't catch up to this guy over is just like dancing around him and he does this like spit and twist and dance away from him and you see jamie look at cersei like <laughs> you're about to lose because it's like yeah this guy's that quick dexterous agile so yeah it's it's serial foyel Arya stark over martell for me so I'm I have two of the three that you have, but my number three is different than Surya Foyal, who I yeah, I I have no argument as to why he's up there on that list. But surprisingly for me, it was Cal Drogo number three. Because even though he seems like a hulking guy, he's more of like a I think of him as a defensive end. Like a yeah. guy who can really bend oh, yeah. and you can He's edge one in this class. Yeah. Yeah, he's edge one in the class, and you can see like when they when the guy who does end up giving him that mortal wound because the sword was poisoned, when you watch that fight, when you watch that fight happening, the way that he could move and duck and dodge like the weapon without having a weapon in his hand, it was like watching a boxer like Mayweather or or Ali who could just slip punches. And that, to me, that agility, a lot of it has to do also with kind of hand-eye coordination and body movement coordination. And for a guy his size, he he did that for me. Like, I thought, wow, no wonder he would be tough in the, in the open field to fight because not only is he unbelievably strong, but he's also really, really agile in terms of his ability to not only um, move and fight, but also slip blows so that and then i had aria too and she was a close to to oberon yeah. number one because when you think about aria with you know she had to learn all these different movements 
you know, with all the different weapons that she learned and the and the sword that she used with Foyel, obviously, you know, that's a sword that you have to be agile to use. You're not winning on power moves. You're winning on totally on speed and quickness and movement overall, as you mentioned in terms of using talking about being like a cat, you know. And and then Oberyn, yeah, I mean, Oberyn's display against the mountain was, you know, was one of the great was one of the great fights that we saw in the show and you could just see you know he was a high flyer but he could also you know he could avoid he could avoid blows and you know yeah that was overall fantastic now john had a different take from both of us really oberon's in there but he's not number one and i wish we had an explanation for it but his first one was dario we're going to talk a lot about Dario in a minute. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Dario Naharis was, uh, certainly you could see why that's the case. He's kind of a long, lithe kind of athlete. So, yeah. um, I mean, he's, Dario's like a press corner in a cover three Seattle Seahawks defense. He's kind of long. He's like the Sherman, Tariq, Woolen, um, Sauce Gardner type. Like that's. I mean, at some point, I mean, episode four is we're slotting these people in on NFL teams, like yeah. in that kind of role. But that's where I see Dario. Yeah, I agree. I'm like, he's, I wouldn't argue top five with him if he's in the oh, top no, no, five yeah. or in the top seven easily. So, yeah, he has Oberyn number two. So, yeah. Who's his one? Jamie, which I couldn't, I have trouble with. I have trouble yeah. with Jamie as number one. I mean, we're going to talk about Jamie a lot here yeah. in a minute. Like yeah. He shows up on a number of spots for me. But th- I wouldn't say his dexterity is kind of his thing. I wouldn't either. I would I would look at, you know, because to me, where Jamie is very skilled and coordinated. Yeah. But, that, but he's not a high flyer. He's not really a – he's not someone who's, um, you know, makes – he's very efficient in what he does. He's not necessarily very um, flashy or leaning on movement to win. Now, he's coordinated, but I think that's maybe where where the expertise that o- Owning has about, you know, think about being a BJJ instructor. To him, Agile might be about yeah. efficient movement. So he might, that might be yeah. why. Yeah, and that would make that. sense. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. But from a... But from a you and I watching some WWE combined with like the yeah, I mean, I want to see some cool stuff. stuff. Yeah, like and, and maybe you're right. He's you know, John's talking more about efficiency of movement, and especially when you lose a hand and you can still excel the way that Jamie did. Maybe there's part of that at work as well. Yeah. I want to see Oberyn spinning around, man. That's just me. Yeah, to me, it's like to to me, that's kind of the deal. It's like who can who can really move at a dynamic level. And, yeah. and make it make it a a a dangerous fighting skill. So, how about the most technically skilled? Did we skip one or did, a couple here? I, I mean, we maybe did, just, we've got. I just have them in a different order. Okay, so, uh, most yeah. technically skilled. All right. Well, um, let me scroll down to my notes here. All right. Well, we start for me. Number three is Jamie. Okay. I mean. Obviously, an extremely well-trained knight. Like we know that. Like one of the, he was the youngest member of the Kingsguard. Um, there's a quote from him in Storm of Swords, JB Chapter Two. I earned my knighthood. Nothing was given to me. I won a tourney melee at 13. 
I, I was, when I was yet a squire at 15, I rolled with Sir Arthur Dane against the Kinswood Brotherhood and he knighted me on the battlefield. He bested the smiling knight in combat when he was younger, who Jamie described as the mountain of my boyhood, half as big, but twice as mad. So he's number three for me. Number two, Selby Barriston. Yeah. Um, he received his knighthood at the age of 16 from King Aegon the fifth. After unhorsing Prince Duncan and Sir Duncan the Tall, the Lord Commander of the Kinsguard at a winter tourney, during the War of the Nine Penny Kings, he slew Black Malus Blackfire in single combat, ending the male line of the Blackfire pretenders. He fought in the Battle of the Trident, during which he was wounded by arrow, spear, and sword, while slaying a dozen friends of Lords Robert Baratheon and Eddard Stark. Obviously, an extremely technically skilled fighter. But for me, number one is Sir Arthur Dane. Ned Stark called him the fightest knight I ever saw. Jamie fought the Smiling Knight to a draw, but Arthur killed him in single combat. And GRRM himself said that with even weaponry, Selmy and Dane would probably fight to a draw, the two best warriors in his mind. But if Dane was allowed to use Dawn, his greatsword, he would win. And that was from a message board from GRRM back in 2011, which I dug up. To That's tell awesome. you, like, look at like the research. How, look at the research. And we're going to go deeper into that. I've got, and I'm holding it up here for those that are watching. This is fantastic. The wow. world of ice and fire. It's like an anthology of everything that happened before the series started. So maybe I'm kind of cheated here, but again, we saw, we did see the, you know, the Tower of Joy situation here. Uh, uh, listen, wow. I may not have scouted these guys as well as you but i certainly scouted the right person to do this show with That's oh man i, I gotta tell what when, when <laughs> listeners dear listeners when matt reached out about doing this i told him i need like two weeks of prep time like <laughs> like i need two weeks to dive into this and so look the uh the tournament at heron hall which you know people that are deep in this world know in ac 281 was a huge thing that sort of set the course for Robert's Rebellion. There was a huge tournament there, and everybody knew the most formidable of all of Rhaegar's friends and allies in King's Landed was surely Sir Arthur Dane, the Sword of the Morning. And the Sword of the Morning, Dawn, his actual sword, it was given to the, it was, you know, given to that person who held that was given the title of Sword of the Morning, only a knight of House Dane who is deemed worthy can carry it, and that was his sword. So for me, it was technically skilled Sir Arthur Dane. Yeah, I think yeah, Dane for me. There's no question about that. And all, and you could just watch, you could just watch when they show him fighting with two swords, and yeah. the the skill that they depict him with on the show, and you know Ned Stark was a very good warrior. And when you think about Ned holding his own with Jamie, and there was a point in that battle with Jamie and and Ned Ned Stark where you could see that um, Ned was about to gain the upper hand. And yeah. and then then the the Lannister guards cheated and basically, you know, and then at that point Jamie was like, forget it, it's over, you, you know, yeah. the fight's over. Um, I would say, you know, I have Barristan, Selmy Barristan, number two, watching him, how efficient he was as a fighter, and Jamie described him as a painter in red, you, you know, yeah. that when you have some, when you start to describe a, someone with their craft as an artist, um. You know, I think that it would be fun to watch Barristan and Dane um, go at it. Like I yeah. think, and like you said, it would. They, as Martin said, the difference would be the weapon. If he, yeah. you know, so at that point, you know, if the difference is just a weapon, they're they're neck and neck. So that's awesome. For me, number three, it's very close. 
between Arya, Brienne, and Jamie. Now, if we put Jamie with his hand and like before it was cut off, it's Jamie. Like yeah. it's Jamie. If we have Jamie without his hand, without his right hand, then it's between Arya and Brienne. And I would um you know, for me, because Brienne did hold her own with Jamie, she beat the hound who who basically, you know, had a you know, a TKO of the of the mountain at the end. So yeah. you you kind of and and a mountain that really wasn't even doesn't even qualify not even human in, in the show you know yeah. at that point when you can stab somebody through the eye socket and come out the come out their head they don't they're disqualified from entering this tournament you know yeah. because they're not yeah. human you gotta have some rules here. yeah exactly right right so so at that point for me I chose Aria um, because from the standpoint of all the training that she did she was good at multiple weapons and maybe that bleeds into the versatility factor. Yeah. But I think that there's a point where you look at that versatility and say, if she can hold her own with Brienne with, with needle and she's using a great sword and then she can also, you know, fight hand to hand. She can fight with bow and arrow. She can fight with a, with a spear or like a bow stick. You know, and and that and then also with a knife, you know, I the the ability to do all of that and to hold your own with someone who who was as good as Brienne, it's very close. I wouldn't argue any of those three, but right. I'd probably give the edge to Jamie if before he had his hand cut off. Yeah, and it's interesting when I was thinking about you know putting Jamie here at three. Part of it was the fact that he had to learn to fight with just one hand. I think sort of gets to the skill set and the technical abilities he had. Yeah. But I think your point about Arya is kind of resonated with me because she was trained in so many different styles, the water dancing, the house of white and black trained with needle. This is a really tough one. It is. And Jamie, to me, just by, and honestly, the more I've watched, I mean, like the reason I wanted to do this is like, while Mark took two weeks to research, I have my own research department because Alicia watches everything like 50 times and then right. we have conversations about it. So I've seen Game of Thrones all the way through at least probably 20 times. And I'm more of a focused watcher, whereas she's more of a like, let's watch while I'm doing two other screens at the same time. Right, yeah. You know, so, but then she likes to watch from the point of view of every character. So she goes, this time I'm going to watch from this character's point of view. So, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's fun. So, really you know, cool. it's it's a good way to be able to talk about shows. But so at this point, I feel like I'm ready. But while I don't know the, the ins and outs with Mark, it's a great compliment to what we're doing. But yeah, um, it, it's tough. I mean, like, I, I appreciate what you're saying about Jamie. With John, John had his three and he had... Um, he had Jamie, Barristan, and Dane. So okay. he was he was pretty yeah. much on the same as, yeah. as us. I mean, I, I think this was another category. It was like, you, you know the names, you know yeah. the options, which is why I'm glad you added bravest and you know toughest and other stuff yeah. like that because that's, I think, where we're going to get some yeah. divergence. Yeah, and I'll add, you know, a guy who I really considered for a while to put in that tier of technically skilled was John. Because yeah. when you watch- when I did the when I did the first rough draft of this, I had John at three, but then I went. Re- I was like, eh, there's there's better spots for John. I think these guys are just technically sound. Yeah, yeah. The, now John is very technically gifted. It's clear yeah. that Ned taught him how to be very efficient with a sword, 
And when you watch him in the open battlefield in all those melees, um, he is pretty incredible in yeah. terms of what he does. But it's all very – he's not a high flyer, but he's like he, – he, he, it seems like he cuts down two people with one move. He's a, a tank. He's a grinder. Like, that's his game. Yeah. So who are the – you know, we mentioned Arya is one of the most versatile. I have her as my most versatile. Um you know, mainly for the wet, the things that I just mentioned. Um, Oberon, I had second, um, mainly because you could tell that it was like he he had a number of weapons at his disposal to fight the um, to fight the mountain, and he used a couple of them. So, from what I remember, so you could tell he was extremely well trained. And then I put Braun as third because Braun, you know, was a terrific swordsman. And you could, and he certainly was a skilled swordsman um, and a good teacher, um, but he was more of a school of hard knocks kind of teacher. But every weapon that you ever saw him use, he used extremely well. And anyone who could like go from like, you know, a sword to using like the way that he would use that dagger and throw that dagger in the same way Arya could throw a dagger. Like they were very good at throwing with throwing weapons, and then, then for him to go from that to um, having to operate that spear to shoot the dragon, that giant crossbow, yeah. like, and he had never even used that thing. So you know, maybe that's a little too much fiction. But the fact that he could go from one to the other like that, to me, that was natural talent at the very least. So he had to be number three for me because even if maybe you'd say, oh well, you know. But there are a lot of people that probably in the heat of all that would have like screwed that up. So, oh, absolutely. The fact that, it, yeah. This is interesting because this is the first time we're, we're, we're very different on this one. Cool. Um, and it, Which is kind of cool. So um, I've got Braun as my number one in a different category. Okay. Um, but he's not here for me. So three, I went back and forth over and over and over again, literally within the past couple, up to the last couple of minutes on number three i originally had jamie here okay as as the third most versatile and then i switched to aria you talked me into aria and i think that makes a ton of sense you know the different ways that she learned so aria is three number two for me is john yeah because you know he trains at winterfell under you know under ned stark then he goes to the Night's Watch, trains there. Then he has to learn to survive north of the wall in a couple of different capacities and roles. And then you see him learn to ride a dragon. Like, And again, there's obviously a reason how he was able to do that. But that showed a ton of versatility to me. So he's number two. Number one for me is Daria. Uh, and you're talking about somebody that was a pit fighter since he was 12. Then a sellsword. He fought... While he was a pit fighter, he thought in different styles, you know, like a Dothraki screamer, an Avroshi priest, a Westerosi knight. Remember when, you know, he killed the other, you know, two commanders of the Second Sons. He and Jorah and Grey Worm went into the streets of Yunkai. He kills the champion of Marine in single combat. And then he fought with both a Dothraki Arkar and a Marishi Stiletto, like two wildly different weapons. And so for me, he seemed the most versatile. I love it, and that's a and what's fascinating is I love your take with John because it was talking about different styles of fighting, not yeah. necessarily different weapons, and that's a take that 
that I didn't think of it from that perspective. So I get the Dario choice easily. Now, John, he's a mix of both of us. He has Braun, um, Dario, and Oberon. And Braun was his ooh, number ooh. one, Dario was his number two, and Oberon was his number three. And I'm thinking Dario, he's thinking the same thing as you. The yeah. different types of weapons, the different fighting styles. Um, and then I think he was thinking like me with Braun in terms of like the the different weapons and the ability to like just go from like one to the other yeah. in, in a variety of ways. And he could be, you know. And then that kind of lends into, I guess, we'll talk about the three most cunning and craftiest of the of the warriors that we have. Who yeah, I'm, I, I'm scrolling to where do I have my notes here. Uh, okay, three most crafted and cunning. For me, uh, Sir Assembly Barristan, uh, who's number three. And part of it is pre-show. I think we're still doing Bravest, right? We are going to do that. Okay, so I'm going to say, because I'm going to talk about him a lot there, but he's three for me in terms of the craftiest and most cunning number two aria the way she had sort of had to survive you know the night king the house of the white and the black uh the fight with the waif i mean how she got out of ken's landed to begin with i mean you don't you don't survive this show as a young girl in this world if you aren't crafty and cunning that's number two and number one is brawn yeah without mind. a doubt i mean <laughs> You know, the scene with the moon door in season one where he's Tyrion's champion and, you know, I, I'm blanking on her name right now. Yeah. Um, but it, it, she's like, you don't fight with honor. And he's like, no, he did. And then he kicks the guy <laughs> he just killed through the moon door. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. And then let's, let's think about where he began at that moment as just like a, a sellsword. To end up as the Lord of High Garden, owning a castle like you always dreamed of, similar to the Arya thing, you don't go from point A to point B yeah. if you don't have some crafty, cut-in survival skills to you. So yeah, Bron. Yeah, and his and his whole uh, monologue to Jaime and Tyrion um, just before the battle um, for King's Landing at the end of the at the end of the series. You know, when he comes in there with the crossbow and has a talk with them and tells them that he wants High Garden, and they're like, "Well, you can't have High Garden." He goes, "Well, why not?" Because he goes, "Basically, you guys are a bunch of bozos. All these, all you're just kids of killers. You know, the killers yeah. are the ones that got these things, and I'm a killer. I may not be a warrior anymore, but I still got killing left in me. And you know, he knew all along. He always sees things very clearly. And for someone to be like," Nah, I'm not fighting the mountain. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Tyrion. You know, I've defended you before. I like you, your friend, but nah, I'm not fighting that guy. That's that's enough to understand. The way that he fought Jamie, where it was like, that's not, you know, he's bumping Jamie around. Every time he's teaching um, the, the, the pay, what's the, who's the guy who's being the um, sire for the, for the, the knights? Um, Pod. Yeah, yeah, Pod. Yeah, Pod. yeah, 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 for Podrick. Like every time he meets with Pod, he's always teaching him something dirty, you yeah. know, something that will. He's always saying, you know, basically saying, "This is these are things." Brian's going to show you technique, but every time you're with me, I'm going to show you the thing that's that that's going to actually happen, like that's going to happen to you, so you don't die. And and I think there's a little subtle message with that, or like 
when they go to Dor- um to Dorn and like he's there with the you know he's standing there he's always got his hand behind his back with that weapon and yep. he's always kind of you know conning anybody he's dealing with and it's funny because the the people and you can tell when someone who's a really good fighter respects you because the hound didn't give a fuck about anybody and he was you know obviously going to be on this list in another way um for sure but when he looks at just before that war um with um stannis coming to king's landing and they're in the brothel um and or at, at, at the bar and basically Braun and him look like they're about to have a standoff the hound knows like the hound knows he's like yeah you're a killer yeah. I know what a killer looks like and and there's that little kind it's almost like the standoff of respect where the hound's just like I don't want to mess with you if I have yeah. to we're going to but I don't want to I'd rather not yeah and so yeah and for for John you know after that Aria for me was number two you know obviously for what you what all we saw but then even like killing the night king just her plan of attack was you know she had it ready to go i'm gonna make him feel like he got me if you know that wasn't like she was planning that the whole time but she she had that ready she she had it ready you know and we saw that she had it ready as foreshadowing with the fight with brianne which is one of the best things they did in that show. Yeah, I yeah, I can't help but watch that every time I see that. That's one of my favorite things for sure. And then I put Dario because Dario, Dario yeah. is crafty in that way. He's kind of a, um, you know, maybe too crafty for his own good. Um, maybe, maybe crafty but not cunning because he was crafty enough to bring that dagger with him um, when they went to the to the. Yeah. Um, to the area where the um what's the, what are the name of the, the dothraki are you, right. you know where um to, to rescue daenerys but he probably shouldn't have brought that thing anyway he brought that that weapon anyway. killed on sight with a sword in vast dothrak yeah yeah but he was definitely a uh he he was definitely a cunning guy maybe not the top but he was on my list john had um had jamie number one um, really? Yeah, and I can see that from the standpoint that Jamie was a talker, and he was very good at psyching out opponents and like um, getting them on edge. Or I mean, you look up. at what he did with Catelyn to yeah. kind of while he was in captivity, and then his obviously his travels with Brienne. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, he was a talker, so it was kind of there. I could see that as well. Um, then and he obviously understood how to fight in in addition to that i mean very well crafted he had oberon second um which i found i don't know i was i i you and i probably disagree on him on i mean one, he but. maybe because of the fact you know the viper he always fought with a poison tip i mean maybe yeah you link that in there yeah i would have liked to hear from john about oberon yeah um and then he had dario number three so he, we had another vote for dario yeah so how about skill versus will because this to me is one of the more fascinating things i've been watching a lot of boxing videos lately and you think about ali ali in the beginning of his career was probably one of the most skilled fighters ever especially for his size and weight to be that fast and that technically sound and then he had all that time off during the prime of his career 
And there are a lot of trainers like Teddy Atlas who would say Ali was still very skillful, but he wasn't like he was where he dominated skillfully before. He won on will. He won on, you know, taking trading shots with Frazier, taking shots from Foreman, you know, and outwilling them in a lot of ways. So, you know, there's guys like that on this list. Like, so for me, my number three is Tormund. Um, and the fight for me with Tormund that where you see Will is that Battle of the Bastards where he's basically chest to chest with what the car Stark, I think that's who it was. I don't yep. remember. And, and he's basically, they're headbutting each other. And then for him to want it more by basically biting the, basically biting the artery, the carotid artery out of car, you know, the car Stark's neck, um, you know, that just kind of tells you right yeah. there what he's all about. And you can tell he's not afraid of anybody. He's a little crazy. Um, and when you have people who, when you have someone, I've always heard it this way, is that like, I've, I've known, you know, in, in my lifetime, I've known people who have will. And like, there's a little crazy in them. And, and one of them I'm married to. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to tell this story because my, my wife, who was a, was like a cheerleader and a track, track athlete. And I've talked about the track athlete, but she was also a cheerleader. She's very much a girly girl in a lot of respects. Um, but you know, she had a little sister. She has, you know, she had a little sister and one day they were on a bus her and her cheerleading outfit and on the bus was a guy who had failed out of school who had failed um back at least once who was apparently 19 riding on the bus my 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 wife was um 15 and my um my sister-in-law i think is i think she's a couple years younger two or three years younger so she was 11 or 12. it's a small town so the school yeah. feed into that i think so this kid slapped my sister-in-law across the face um they had i guess they had some words or something and my you know my so, so he slapped her across the face and my wife at 15 in her cheerleading outfit jumped on this man um and Whoa. jumped on his back and clamped onto his back and they were fighting and actually they weren't fighting he was trying to get her off of him and she was had her legs wrapped from around his back or had him in a chokehold and was hitting him in the head as he rolled her through the bus aisle and the bus came to a stop and they came spilling down the stairs oh gosh she still had let go of him and wow. was still hitting him so i remember my wife saying to me um she said she once told some she once told a couple of guys when she was dating them when she was younger who were athletes and they and she said i just want you to understand something um you know i don't think you're this way i don't think that you're a violent person but in case you decide that you're going to try and put your hands on me you may you're going to have to kill me and I am going to make sure I go down with piece chunks of skin, chunks of <laughs> chunks of gristle, whatever I have to pull out, bite out, scratch out, punch out. 
you will look in the mirror for the rest of your life and know that um to know that you don't ever want to do that again and you will always remember me even if you end me you will like i just like you know my wife is not a violent person but obviously she was very protective of her of her sister and oh, i yeah. laugh because when i think of will that's will when you're and when i think of Tormund, Tormund's that kind of like the like when the shark has that little liner go over their eye when they bite yeah. into their prey and and you think Tormund's that guy that there's a point that you know that he's just going to go blank and it's just going to be will and, yeah and that and so he they remind me that Brienne to me was one of the toughest because when she to me she she beat the toughest guy to me was the hound so when you know for Brienne to be this technically sound um you know warrior and she fights the hound which is the best fight to me to the best fight uh, on the show like from my standpoint cuz I'm a will person I like yeah. will so to see her get tested by the hound where she's got him down and she's beat him technically and she goes I don't want to kill you and then he grabs um he grabs the sword in his hands and squeezes it to move his way up and then forces her to get into a gutter war with him and she and he brings it out of her and she's she's not like she's not phased by it or like she rises to the occasion to get into that type of a fight with him to me that was toughness like i i i that was grit and i could and especially when you've never been tested like that before in that way, that could psych you out. And the fact that she wasn't and she beat him was it. And then the hound for me was the toughest because obviously one to be like scarred by probably the, the strongest, most powerful sadistic warrior in the show. Um, well, maybe not the most sadistic, but one of them, um, you know, we don't have the most sadistic two most sadistic people because they really weren't fighters on the no show. they weren't but um but certainly the hound but certainly the mountain was and for him to then go against zombie version of the mountain and still like have his eyes nearly plucked out you know after he already had his leg broken in multiple spaces by brianne earlier in the show you know and even though he was scared of fire and he gave up multiple times with fire when it came to hand-to-hand -hand combat, um, you know, for him to for him to basically say, you know what, I'm willing to die to get this guy off the planet. I don't know how you can have another uh, have a guy who's tougher. Yeah, well, I actually do. Interestingly Good. enough, cool. so we we do have some differences here. So um, I'll start at three um, people I considered were the mountain, um, you know. <laughs> Man's on the verge of death that he squeezes Oberyn's head. I yes. mean, that that seems pretty tough he to me. He was a hard one for me to leave off. Yeah, I mean, he was a hard one for me to leave off too. Um, but I ended up doing it. Tormund I left off, but he was very close for me as well for all the stuff that you just said. I actually had Jorah as three. Yes. For no, no, I I had him as three for a while. I didn't go there. I had but remember, him as he's four. got the, the the gray scale. Yeah, and he still fought his way through that. And perhaps the toughest for me to leave off here, the wave. 
I almost went with the wave at three, if only for that chase scene in season six where she's like the Terminator yeah. and she keeps coming. And I was just, I was just rewatching it before the show that scene because there's a moment in that chasing where Arya's walking through the crowd down below and then off the corner you see her running along a ledge and she just leaps and that's like all right she has this this woman has no quit yeah but then i went with the hound is three like and what sort of did it was what you just talked about at the end terrified of fire but in the end he's like no i i gotta do this so the hound was three brienne was two and there are a number of great the, the fight with the hound is perhaps the best example but let's not forget you know she fought jamie to a draw like after jamie had early lost has just lost his hand so you know jamie wasn't 100 jamie or 90 no, percent no, jamie he, he had his hand when she fought him to a draw oh that's right that's right yeah okay so there's that and then the kicker for me she fought a bear yeah like let's not forget she fought a bear and so she's two what made this person one for me is sort of sort of similar to the, the the story you just told about your wife and the quote you have to have a little crazy in them it's john yeah. because let's not forget the scene at the battle of the bastards where he's just and it's a meme now where yeah. he just unsheaths the sword in the face of that charging army he's like all right let's go or that the battle of winterfell where he stares down the dragon yeah. And you're all just like, you know, of course John's going to do that. And he's probably going to get roasted, but John's got that little bit of crazy in him. So for me, it was John. I love, I love all the names you mentioned. I certainly considered Jorah. Um, yeah. He was definitely on the list. I, I'm trying to remember who else you mentioned there. Uh, Tormund, the Waif. The Waif was interesting on that one. Jamie, um, you mentioned too. I, for me, it was, I think where I had it is I differentiated toughness and bravery. So, yeah. so this is, but I can see where they bleed in together. And, and, and we're going to get to bravery in a yeah, second. And yeah. There's some overlap there. Yeah. But. And that's why I think I added that later yeah. for that yeah. reason. Now, John, he had Tormund. He had Brienne and he had the Hound. Okay. okay. So, so yeah. Okay. So, but that's an interesting one. Now, stamina, stamina for me, like this one was difficult. Because I didn't read the books. I don't know, you know, so all I could do was go off of what I saw on the show. I had Jorah as number three. And mainly because watching him in the pits, watching him in the battle of the, the um, you know, against the, the White Walkers and that final scene to, you know, was epic, you know. Yeah. So, but it was hard to leave off Sir Barristan. You know, but I had him on there, but then I I gave it to Jorah only because, and then I, it was tough because I watched Barristan, I watched Grey Worm, and saw those two guys and thought, man, you know, that's they have some stamina and they probably deserve to be on this. But I gave it to Jorah, and I have regrets about it, but I'm giving that to Jorah. My number two was Jon Snow. Um, mainly because looking at him in all those melee fights that he was in um the way that he was able to to watch him in all those melee fights then to watch him basically get trampled nearly trampled to death squeeze yeah. his way out of that tin can and then chase down um what's his face the the most evil sadistic fun um, oh God, why am I fun guy to watch now? um 
you, you know, I don't know why I can't remember him either because we've been talking about so many of these other characters. Um, but you know, to chase him down, Ramsey. So yeah, Ramsey. To chase down Ramsey after that, after you know, and then still like beat the tar out of him. Yeah, you know, they're they're you know, he has some stamp to climb on an ice wall. You, you know, to yeah, you know, I forgot about that to, aspect. To, to be able to come out of a to be able to come out of a um to come out of a frozen frozen water and still make it back alive even though you were put on a horse and still be alive after that. Um there was a lot there are a lot of examples of stamina to me that fit Jon Snow. And then this one's more of a stretch and I think it I could see why it's not gonna be there. But watching Sir Arthur Dane with two swords take on multiple people and look just as fresh at the end, um, yeah. I put him number one. Yeah, that's a great call. This one was so hard. Um, all right, so I went with my three, Briette. And like it was it. really just the battle with the Hound. Because like you said, that was a street fight at the end. Yeah. And she went not just toe-to-toe -to -toe with him. Like, she basically left him for dead. And and you you aren't surviving that. You aren't getting through that if you don't have stamina. Yeah. So, Brienne was three. Two, Arya. And ah. it really comes down to two moments. One, that chase scene with the Waif, who was actually my four on this one. Yeah. That was long and drawn out. Yeah. You know, that, and then it ends the way it ends, obviously, with Arya getting the better of the waif. And you saw some foresight and cut in there as well. But then when you fold in the way she kills the Night King, where he's got her by the throat, he's basically like choking her out. And she still has the plan, the wherewithal, and the ability to execute in that moment. So she's two for me. Number one is Grey Worm. And kind of maybe cheating here a little bit because I'm drawing on some of the book knowledge. That's good, though. Um, you know, but there's a description of the Unsullied both in the books and they kind of reference it in the show as well, where the Unsullied, quote, regularly consume an elixir called the wine of courage to deaden their sensitivity to pain. They drink it with every meal and every year feel less and less pain. Like he's wow. just a motor that doesn't stop. And so for me, it was Grey Worm. Nice. Well, Grey Worm's on John's list uh, too. He has... Um... He has Sir Barristan number three. Okay. And I can see that. You know, when we see that fight against the um all those masked guys at the at Marine who are the that's that terrorist organization you could probably yep. call them. Um, you know, you could see what his stamina was probably at the height of his yeah. of of his powers. Grey Worm certainly, I mean, I think you just you just know based on the way he fights, what they fight, what type of battles. He's been in a lot of melees as well, and they've been trained so rigorously in the way that you just described. His top guy was Ned. And I have to think wow. the reason he put Ned is maybe because when you watch him, and, and this is a stretch, maybe he's seen more in the books or something along those lines. I mean, he was a fantastic knight and warrior in the books. I think, you know, the seed where he ends up losing to Jamie, where he gets stabbed in the thigh, I think that's probably it. Because, you know, he was obviously not 100% going in. Yeah. And and part of it, too, is you think 
he did hold his own there and it was like he was getting the better end of it as the fight wore on and yeah. i think that's where maybe where maybe um john saw that so that was an interesting one and then the one that the bravest adding that in there um you know who were your three okay um this is the, i'm so glad you added this I, I think this might be my favorite so three for me is gray worm me too. um yeah i mentioned the elixir um in one of the books there's also a moment where he's talking to dario and they're talking about going into the city um and dario says you know because they dumped hot oil from the sit from the you know the walls around the city and he says oh the unsullied should go in and there's this quote from gray worm uh talking about the eunuchs the unsullied these ones do not feel burns as men do yet such oil blinds and kills the unsullied do not fear to die though give these one rams we will batter down these gates or die in the attempt and then if you remember when danny trades for the unsullied that guy karasnes um the slave trader astropor talks about the unsullied he says young kind marine slave swordsmen can be had for less than the price of their swords but unsullied are the finest foot in all the world and each represents many years of training. Tell her they are like Valerian steel, folded over and over and hammered for years on end until they are stronger and more resilient than any metal on earth. Another quote about the Unsullied. A eunuch who is cut yud will never have the brute strength of one of your Westerosi knights. This is true. A bull is strong as well, but bulls die every day in the fighting pits. The Unsullied have something better than strength. They have discipline. We fight in the fashion of the old empire. Yes, they are lockstep legions of old geese come again. Absolutely obedient, absolutely loyal, and utterly without fear. So Grey Worm came from that. So, yeah. And he's three. And I'll add this to it, to the equation with that. There's a scene with the Daenerys' interpreter who he ends up falling in love with. Yep. And he explains to her what made him different and made him the leader of the Unsullied. And he said, you know, early on when they were young, the, the, the slave masters would trade them by finding out what they feared and make them do it. And either they died or they got past their fear. Yeah. And so he explained things like if they didn't know how to swim, they threw them into deep water. If they were afraid of dogs, they'd sick dogs on them. If he was afraid of fire, they would attack him with fire. And, and Grey Worm said, I wasn't the strongest. I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't the most skilled but I wasn't afraid of anything. Yeah. And to imagine to imagine that the things that the extent that they went to do all these things to to get them past fear if he wasn't afraid of everything, I, I, it's hard for me to say that he was um not the bravest, but the reason that he isn't is for the exact same reason when he's talking to the woman that he loves, he said, "But I've never been afraid until now." And and his and his fear was because he fell in love with her yeah and i actually think that was his undoing as a character because when she dies he loses his scruples yeah, just, just like daenerys yeah. and that and there's a certain level of internal bravery that you have to confront to be in control and do the right things and ultimately win the day that i don't think he would have been capable of because he he was exposed to his fear finally and couldn't overcome it yeah that's such a brilliant point that's fantastic so he was your three that's my number three too so who's your okay. two my two is john my um, two <laughs> yeah i mean i wonder if we'll have the same one maybe not but 
I mean, for a lot of the stuff we talked about, a lot of the way the entire show and the book and the entire story is set up, like he encountered so many different things, went through so many different moments that challenged him, that challenged his courage, the, the time spent north of the wall, the time spent north of the wall that we're going to see in the spinoff that's coming, which I'm really excited about because it sounds like he goes into a pretty dark place. But, you know, ultimately, look, it, it's a meme for a reason, staring down Bolton's entire army, just like, let's go. And, and yes, it was a little bit crazy. Yes, it was a little bit stupid. Yes, he lost his head at times, but he lost it because he was as brave as it gets. I still have somebody else ahead of him, but he's two. Yeah, and I'm the same way. And all those things you mentioned, I think, are excellent examples. I would also add that because he was, he and Brienne were the most, um, the best at adhering to their moral code, their moral compass. They, they both, John did not waver in what he thought was honorable to do. And yeah. he did that in moments that it wasn't just his his moral and intellectual and emotional bravery underscored his physical bravery and for him everything was no choice and the you know he really had no choice but to do what he did and that takes a lot of bravery and at the end of the show the end of the series when bran when he apologizes for Bran for not being there for him, and Bran says, "You were exactly where you needed to be." I mean, that was—you could say that Jon Snow—that was his character. He was exactly where he needed to be at every moment, and not every character was that way. I mean, you look at—you know—they the the great contrast was Theon. Theon was everything Jon Snow wasn't, and at the end realized that's what who he wanted to be was to be Jon, and yeah. and to be able to tell Cersei the truth even at the cost of what it could have been yep. was great. So I can't wait. Who's your right. number one? Sir Selmy Barristan. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And we see one of my, I have two huge pillars of reason in here. We see one of them in the, in, in the show and I'll get to that in a second. But prior to the show, prior to, and again, I'm drawing from again, prior knowledge. If you haven't got it, Go get it. It'll make a fantastic holiday gift. The world of ice and fire. There's an event that leads to the Mad King becoming the Mad King called the Defiance of Dunkfort. And basically the Mad King is held hostage for like a year and a half in the Dunkfort. And Tywin, whose hand, there's a, some speculation that Tywin sort of let this happen, hoping that the king would die. So then Rhaegar would become the king and there's all this stuff. But Selby, as a member of the King Guard, said, let me go in alone. Let me go in alone and I'll get him out. And, you know, I'm just going to quote from this now. No one will ever know for certain, thanks to the courage of Sarah Barristan, Selmy of the Kinsguard. He offered to enter the town in secret, find his way to the Dunford, and spirit, spirit the king to safety. Selmy had been known as Barristan the Bold since his youth, but this was a boldness that Tywin Lannister felt bordered on madness. Yet such was his respect for the prowess and courage of Sir Barristan that he gave him a day to attempt his plan before storming Duncansdale. So he thought that he would... His Tywin's plan was, we're going to storm, they'll kill the king. I'll say I tried to save him. We'll get Rhaegar on the throne. We get rid of the Mad King. It'll be great. The son of Sir Barristan's dare and rescue of the king are many, and for a rarity, the sinners hardly had to embroider it. Sir Barristan did indeed scale the walls unseen in the dark of the night, using nothing but his bare hands. And he did disguise himself as a hooded beggar as he made his way to the Dunford. It is true as well that he managed to scale the walls of the Dunford in turn, killing a guard on the wall walk before he could raise the alarm. 
Then by stealth and courage, he found his way to the dungeon where the kin was being kept. By the time he had Ares Targaryen out of the dungeon, however, the kin's absence had been noted and the hue and cry went up. And then the true breadth of his heroism was revealed, for he stood and fought rather than surrender himself or his king. And not only did he fight, but he struck first, taking Lord Darklands, good brother and master at arms, Sir Simon Hollard, and a pair of guards unawares, slaying them all, and so avenging the death of his sworn brother, Sir Gwen Gaunt of the Kinsguard, who had been killed at Hollard's hand. He hurried with the king to the stables, fighting his way through those who tried to intervene, and the two were able to ride out of the Dunfort before the castle's gates could be closed. Then there was wild ride through the streets of Duncan's Dale, while horns and trumpets sounded the alarm and the race up to the walls as Lord Tywin's archers were finally able to clear it of the defenders. And so that right there is enough in my mind. But then in the show, when he dies, he dies leading the Sons of the Harpy away from Grey Worm. Because he knows he's at the end. And like, he's not got much left to offer. But he knows Grey Worm has more to offer, particularly with protecting Daenerys. And so he knows, look, I got to save him. And he basically gives himself up so Grey Worm can get out of there. To me, he's the choice. And I, I love the choice. He was certainly high on my list, but I didn't give it to him. And the one I'm going to give you is going to freak you out probably oh, now. Okay. To me, bravery. To me, bravery really comes when you face um, your greatest fears, when you have to deal with um, being put in a situation that leaves you extremely vulnerable in a way that you could not comprehend, and you still move forward with that, like John facing off all those men, right? You know, all that type of thing. Well, to me, there's no, to me, one of the great characters of this book and, and this show is Jamie Lannister and Jamie Lannister to me, you know, he, he did awful things. He was completely hooked in this incestuous relationship with his sister who was as narcissistic and sociopathic as you could probably get. And he was just you know, codependent on her to the nth degree. But he also was a great anti-hero because he had honor. And it shows underscoring what you find is first you hate him and then you can't help but love him. And 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 part of that is is that you watch him it begins with this. He's known as the Kingslayer, but you hear as the story tells that he basically had to make the decision, am I going to save the kingdom and save people, millions of people? And every time you hear that story with Baratheon making fun of him, and he said, well, what was what happened when you killed the Kingslayer? And he said, he, he said the same thing he was saying for the past hour after I stabbed him, burned them all. And you could yeah. see Baratheon's eyes just pop out of his head like, oh, shit, I didn't know. Like, I yeah. didn't know you had to deal with that whereas with ned he then he explains to brianne you know after he had his hand cut off that you know that that what happened that day and that he saved millions of people you know he knows what that's like and that you know but when ned stark came in and saw him he could see in ned stark's eyes that anything he said ned wasn't going to listen to so why even bother you know, and so he was misunderstood living through that, but he made 
the ultimate choice to sacrifice his what was considered his honor to do the most honorable thing, which is incredibly emotionally brave. Then, after getting his hand cut off and being spirited to the safety, um, the person who was his prison, you know, his captor, Brienne, he decides to go back and get her and jumps back into a bear pit just with his hand still hanging basically off of his off of his yeah. you know well not in that scene but you know without a hand it's still wounded and take on the bear to get her to safety to me that's unbelievable bravery because you're this is the mo this is your lowest moment you are known as you are known as one of the greatest swordsmen ever and maybe the greatest swordsman alive you're cocky as an arrogant as anyone possibly could be you act like a bully at every moment and as we know you think of like mike mike tyson and evander holyfield where mike tyson was a bully throughout his career and as teddy atlas would say the minute he came across someone who wouldn't be bullied and could fight back he melted like ice cream and when and you know so for me, the fact that Jamie gets his hand cut off, he's nearly catatonic with the level of emotion that, of that downfall that he had, and and then tells Jamie, you know, Brienne that story, and then goes back to get her and puts himself in front of a bear with, you know, a bleeding stump. You yeah. know, to me, I'm like, dude, you're 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 brave, and then to you know to to get stabbed the way he did by at the end you know even i mean there were a lot of to go to go appear in front of the starks who he pushed bran off of the ledge and to come back and realize that he was the only one coming from the lannister army not yeah. protected at all and say i came here to fight because i said i was going to do that you know and and to even say I'm sorry to Bran, you, you know, to me, all of that, that was one brave motherfucker. And like, I, 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 to me, that was the bravest guy on the show. Wow. That's so well said. Yeah. You got me rethinking my order now. I mean, Barristan, I mean, how do you not like, that's a great one too, because the, the things that he did and what he stood down and to take that death, there are a lot of things like that. It's just for me, Jamie, the emotional the emotional bravery. Yeah, I mean, I almost think there's like, uh, you know, an emotional bravery versus, you know, just a pure fighting survival bravery. Yeah. And maybe, you know, Jamie's one, Barrison's the other, but wow. Yeah. And that's what's fun about this is that you get yeah. to see things from those different point of views like that. What did, what did John have here? Did he do this one? John what, John didn't because I, this, Cause, yeah. This, yeah. John did it so early that I didn't uh, I didn't go back and ask him. So I would have we'll have to ask him. I'll have to ask yeah, him. Yeah, I'm very curious to see his. Yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. That's our that's our, you know, kind of the best of the best in terms of those categories. Um, you know, I hope for those of you that were Game of Thrones fans, you enjoyed this. You probably had your own takes and some of the wildly differently. Some of you probably screaming at the um, yeah. you know, no, in your yeah. podcast going, how did you not have him, you know, but, right. or her or whoever, you know, but you know, that's the fun of it. You make your own list, you know, I don't, you yeah. know, what do you want? I, to I'd love you? to see other people's top threes in these categories. Yeah. If you want to, see. if you want to email us or tweet us, you know, you know where to find us, you know, Mark Schofield 
Matt Waldman on Twitter, you know. Um, and of course, next time we do this, we're going to seed this. We're going to seed the tournament, um, and then we're going to play it out. So um, this should this was a lot of fun for us. Gives us a little break from football because we're in between. We're at the end of fantasy season, and beginning of the start of the playoffs, um, and the beginning of draft season. So you know, a little bit of a chance for us to take a deep breath and and go on from there. So you know, it's always a pleasure to have Mark on the show. You know, and we're you know it it. Uh, you know, I was so glad that you were you were willing to do this and that you were ex as excited about this as I was. And uh, I'm sure those of you who are Game of Thrones fans will be too. And we'll, uh, we'll be in touch. Thanks again.